Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Well, it's now my privilege and honor to be uh, welcoming up Tim Roberts. Oh, he's already here. Let's give it up for him, as if by magic. We rehearsed that well in the first, didn't we? Um, well, come on. Let's um, pray for Tim and pray for ourselves as we hear from God. On Tim and on this church family for the year ahead mm-hmm. and for this time together now. Yes. Amen. Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. And uh, hello to everyone uh, joining online, uh, or if you're watching through the stream in another part of the building because it's so full. There's a few people come up from the living room, and uh, hopefully this is an even more living room. Uh, so it's good to have you here. Um, praise the Lord. The, there is joy in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Um, what a privilege it is that we're able to do this with freedom. Uh, we're able to come as people from different nationalities and backgrounds and parts of the world and parts of this geographical region, even online, to join together, to have a shared moment in the presence of God. There's nothing like that. It's amazing. I want to say, if, if this is part of a New Year's resolution for you, uh, to plug into a local church, you are especially welcome. And if you're here and this is your first time and it's all a bit loud and energetic and stuff, well, welcome to well. Spring Church. If you're joining us live for the first time online, uh, you're really welcome. Come as you are. Uh, but we love what happens when we get together in the house of God. Uh, stuff happens and God speaks in a special way. Can I hear an amen to that? If you've, uh, the more amens, the quicker lunch is. Okay, so um, last Sunday, we had a great start to the year. The 1st of January, we met together, we gave testimony to all that God had done in the previous year in 2022, and then we were able to to focus as we look forward. Now, I have to say, as I I went home and got home and at the lunch table, um, or kind of while we were getting ready after the service, um, there was an interesting smell. And uh, it wasn't the soup burning on the hob. Uh, No, that was perfectly cooked, obviously. Um, It it was actually the smell. I got a bit of uh, Hugo Boss, a bit of Coco Chanel, and uh, mixing with my own Next. Uh, So so, uh, I I, I just smelled on me a fragrance. And I thought, wow, that's, that's not... That's not, I didn't get that for Christmas, but, but I, think, I think Paul did. Paul got Hugo Boss for Christmas. And when I saw Paul last Sunday, he gave me a big hug. And some of that really expensive aftershave <laughs> rubbed off on Next Man. <laughs> uh, and, it was, uh, and then I, had, I, I realized that on me was the fragrance of the church. And I smell amazing. <laughs> And if anyone here, after the service, if you want a hug, as long as you've had a shout, look, even, even if it's Lynx Africa, I want a hug from you, all right? Not you, Shagan. No, no one. Uh, there's, no, I'll hug you later if you want. They, I, I want us to explore what happens when we 
when we are closer to each other. You know, something happens when we kind of rub, rub against each other. There's something of the fragrance of God in the church of Jesus Christ when we are closer together. And this series, in fact, this whole year, we're going to look at, at really at the invitation of the Lord. What does it mean for us as a church, as Wellspring Church in 2023, to build together? And I don't just mean to build together, but I mean to build together, to really build and to grow in a way that is true to what God's called us to, that we might be more together this time last year than we are right now. Amen? And there's a journey to go on for that, and we're going to unpack a little bit. But today is really an invitation to a journey through the whole of the year. Now, um, when, when we, I just want to lay some groundwork, and this is from Jesus. When Jesus began to approach Jerusalem, ready to go to the cross, and, to, and through the resurrection and the ascension, to, to then fill the Holy Spirit with the church, the church, with his Holy Spirit, through all of that journey, as he's approaching and coming into the final chapters of his earthly ministry, he began to set to them the agenda. He starts talking in John chapter 13 to Peter about Peter's denial. And he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. And in the midst of that passage, he says these really profound words. And this is John chapter 13 uh, from verse 34. And I wonder if we can read it together. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So he says the hallmark that you're truly followers of Christ, that you're truly amongst the chosen, the hallmark will be your love for one another. Not your statement of belief on your website, not what you say you believe, but what you actually practice in terms of loving one another, the together. In fact, a couple of chapters later in John 17, John uh, is able to record and write down what Jesus was praying. And in verse 20, this is what he prayed. He says, I'm praying not only for those disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So he's, he's praying. This was the moment when Jesus, we get to listen to Jesus praying for you and for me, praying for Wellspring Church. Hallelujah. And his prayer is still unanswered. And he says this, I pray they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So one of the most missional things, one of the most, one of the most apparent things, visible things of the followers of Jesus, it, listen, it isn't a website. It isn't even, you can't even see it really on YouTube It's actually experienced when the disciples of Jesus Christ love one another, when we are one as Jesus and the Father are one. That's the invitation. And you see, the thing is, most of the time, it doesn't always feel like that. We're nowhere near that. Listen, Jesus prayed it knowing it would take the rest of that age, the rest of the church age for the bride of Christ, his body, the church, to become who he wants us to become. So we're nowhere near where we will be. Can I hear an amen? But listen, we're not where we were. 
And that's a word for someone this year. Listen, this year, God's going to change you. That's a word for us as a church. God wants to. And in order to do what he wants to do here, he needs to change us. He needs to mold us, to reshape us, to rebuke us. And listen, our vision, and if you're new to Wellspring, our vision is very simple. Our vision is to see the love of Jesus that we've sung about, the love of Jesus to forgive sins at the cross, to defeat the grave through his resurrection, to fill the human heart with power through the Holy Spirit. The love of Jesus transforming communities. That's our vision. Not just one community, but multiple communities. And do you know how he's going to do that? He's going to do that through a community. God's plan was not just to raise up individuals, but to raise up a people. And his people, the church, are able to express the love of Jesus and through that to see communities transformed. And so he's going to do that here through people who are strong in faith. He's going to do that through making us a people who are deep in prayer. He's going to do that through encouraging us and empowering us to be a people who are bold in witness. That's it. And listen, we can't do that simply on our own. I can't do that on my own. Neither can you. For us to grow strong in faith, we need the body of Christ. We need each other. For us to grow deep in prayer, goodness knows, we need each other. We need to pray together. In order for us to be bold in witness, we've just heard a hallmark of our witness is our love for each other. We can't witness to the goodness of God without demonstrating the love of God amongst each other. Can I hear an amen? So in the house of God... And there is joy in this house, but there's a sense in which the house of God here is not everything that, that we believe God's calling us to become. And I think my job is simply to begin to get us thinking about some things that we'll explore over the coming months. Now, I'd like to show you a picture, and this is my cousin Adam. And you can see a bit of family likeness. Uh, the inability to grow hair is definitely there. And, uh, and also, obviously, handsomeness and all those things. He's younger than me. Uh, some of you are surprised by that. Anyway, this is Adam, and uh, he's got a couple of businesses, and one of those, he flips houses. He flips houses. And uh, so this is one of the houses that he flipped. Uh, you can see the state of the, uh, the little mini bathroom there, the toilet, and the cloakroom, I think we'd call it. And uh, you can see the after, right? He does the before. He goes into a house that's been neglected, that maybe hasn't been looked after very well. He invests some money in it. He buys it, invests some money in it, and he makes it so that it can be uh, joyfully inhabited again. I don't know if anyone has been involved in flipping a house. I know a few Wellspringers have a portfolio of different properties and have had flipping opportunities. I have to be careful all the way through this message because the title of the message today is Let's Flip It. Should we say it together? Let's Flip It. Now, here's another picture. Let's go back. Here's another picture. Um, Look at this. This wasn't from my cousin, but I saw this online. I thought this was pretty awesome. Is that someone's gone into this house on the left And you can see it's overgrown. You can hardly see it. The garden's overgrown. And uh, look at that. The outside has come inside. Yes? And uh, look what's happened through careful attention. That becomes a place that that many people would love to live, right? Uh, Listen, the, the, the body of Christ is at times a bit like the house on the left. 
And sometimes, like a house that we held clear uh, many years ago on uh, Merton Road in Watford, uh, we were asked to help out this guy. Let the, ha- it's just, the house had just he'd lost control of his home. He was hoarding. And I, I never forget going through there. And the ivy on the outside was growing inside. The plants, the trees, had made their way inside the house. I would dare to suggest to you, a bit like the flood damage that's on this picture, I dare to suggest to you that in the church, sometimes the outside has grown inside. And sometimes that's caused horrendous damage. And we might look at the church today, and we could be even really frank and say, we might look at Wellspring Church today and say, well, I'm sure this isn't everything that God wants it to be. I'm sure we're not the kind of house of God that he wants us to be. And you can see even, there's even some renovations here in the Wellspring Church Center. We're, we're flipping a few areas because we, we were kind of, anyway, we decided to do that because it's the right thing to do, to look after our building. It's going to look great. But listen, when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to Wellspring Church, when it comes to us, let's flip it. Let's invite God and participate with him to become the kind of church where we really know what it means to build together. And that's what my invitation is to you today. Now, when it comes to our deep desires, it, our culture, the world around us has a deep longing for things. It's like we've got a dream home. And that dream home is true love and acceptance. Everyone I know wants to be truly accepted as they are, to be truly loved to be known and to be truly loved. That's a deep desire for us. To have a sense of identity, of clear identity. That's such a deep desire for everyone I know, just to know who they are. There's a whole, there's a whole industry of preoccupation with identity. In fact, there's a whole branch of politics that's about identity politics, about who I am is, is driving so much of our culture. That, but that's a good desire, you understand. Uh, it's a really good thing to want to know who I am. That's not a bad thing. It's also really obvious. There's a, a longing for belonging. There's a longing to feel like I have a place in the world. And I know where that place is. And I feel like I belong there. That's a deep desire. There's a deep desire for purpose as well. I have a deep, deep desire to to know my purpose. Why am I on the planet? All these desires are good. And do you know what? They're not new. They've existed uh, since the fall. This this sense of wondering, am I truly loved? This sense of wondering, who am I really? This sense of where do I belong? This sense of what is my purpose? All of that goes back to the time when we walked out of the presence of God because of our sin through Adam and Eve's fall. Can I hear an amen? amen? But we've got these longings and desires, but they are at odds with how we're trying to get those things. So these desires are good, but in today's Watford, or wherever you are watching this, it still applies. In today's Watford, we're looking and and we're going about this in some really strange ways. And I just want to demonstrate that if I can. And uh, we're going to, in fact, the title for my talk today is, what is it? Let's flip it. Okay, so I'm going to start with individualism. We, in our culture... We have made the self our God. We worship ourselves. Individualism is about self-determination, self-reliance, self-definition. 
I saw tattooed on a, a sportsman's neck the other day on Instagram. It said, um, I am who I am. Or it might have said, I am who I say I am. It went very quickly on my screen. But I saw it and just thought, yeah, that, that is actually tattooed on the hearts and minds of most people in today's society. I am who I say I am. I define myself. I am whatever, wherever I, I, I am the gender I choose. And if I choose that tomorrow, woe betide anyone who tells me that I am not now who I say I am now because I was who I said I was, but I've decided, or for whatever reason, I've changed. Now, I, I understand, we're confused in our society, and we're confused by individualism. You see, an ism is something that, that has an impact across our worldview. An ism is a worldview. It's a way of seeing the world. This is the dominant worldview in Watford today. It's individualism. We worship the individual. And some of that has even crept into the church. Ouch. Some of that has even determined how you and I have made some of our decisions. We have been individualistic. I determine myself. Who are you to say who I am? You see, we're such an arrogant generation because for most cultures in most generations, um, for, for thousands of years, you've had a say in who I am as well. That it takes a village to raise a child. That means the village has a say in who the child becomes. Can I hear an amen? Am I talking to anyone today? If I am, just make it obvious. So individualism is uh, it's almost like a cultic religion obsession with the individual. Now, this is a problem because this is not enough. This, this takes us down a really sinful, pride-filled path where we are further and further away from the purposes of God. So we've got individualism. Anyone feeling encouraged already today? Hallelujah. You see, the thing about individualism is that when we define ourselves, we end up on our own with our self-definition. The second one, and uh, I'm sure none of us recognize this, the second one is greed. Greed. This is our determination to meet our own needs. This is where my gain may well include your pain, but it's my gain. This is about getting as much out with as little in. Consumerism is another word we could use. But there are, there are the politics of greed that are determining how many, particularly wealthier nations, are making choices about what to do with the huge wealth they have. And we are culpable. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. I'm acknowledging we are part of a greedy culture. Yeah, I'll, I'll give as much as the, is comfortable that I can afford instead of doing what's right. And as soon as within our Western nations, as soon as we have our own needs, we stop helping those that have the greatest needs, the politics of greed. And this is a problem. And some of that has crept into the church. Some of that's crept into the way we feel when it comes time for an offering. Hello? Self-satisfaction. The third one is uh, 
also pretty deadly, passivity. This is the armchair critic. This is the, I'll help if I can be bothered. This is the, I see your need, but it's too big for me to do anything about, so I choose to do nothing. This is the result of being overwhelmed with news around the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and feeling completely incapable of making any difference. But it breeds passivity. And some of this has crept into the church. We're very, very happy. We're very happy to let everyone else set the chairs up. We're very happy for everyone else to do the bit so that we get what we get. Passivity can creep into the church. I hope there's a, I'm going to say this anyway. It's just coming to my mind. Um, a number of years ago, someone came to me after the service and they said... Uh, and the, the chairs were being packed up, and they were being stacked. There were hardly anyone left after the service, and they're heavy, right? So it does, it's better to have a teamwork around it. So um, this gentleman was talking to me, and I was aware that some people had been there since really early in the morning, so I wanted to be stacking chairs, but he said, I just need to talk to you. I've been called to the ministry, and by that he meant the preaching church leadership ministry, and so he bent me out. I've been called to the ministry. I've been, I want to do all this, and I wonder if I can, you can sponsor me, and blah, blah, blah. I, I won't say too much to then expose who this person was. Um, but I said, okay, well, um, you know, uh, to lead is to serve. So just be part of the church family. Just begin to serve. Do you know what? With no plans for lunch, which I knew about, walked past three stacks of chairs, or all the unstacked chairs, walked straight out the door. Wow. 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 <laughs> many of us, and it's not about chairs, you understand, many of us in our hearts are quite happy to let all the work and the serving and the, and the change to be made by someone else. That's not what God is calling us to as a church. Not passivity, but something else. Okay, better move on. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? Well, speaking of uncomfortable... Uh, the fourth one is this, comfort. We worship at the temple of comfort. <laughs> Not this temple, but you understand. As a culture, we are obsessed with comfort. We're obsessed with whatever feels good, whatever feels safe. In fact, a video watched recently was saying, in the end of it, it was talking about the purposes of charities. And I know what it's trying to say, but saying the end, at the end, all that really matters is that we're safe. All that really matters is that we're safe. That's not what it's like to follow Jesus. There's nothing safe about the Christian life. Hello? There's nothing safe about following Jesus. There's nothing safe about seeing Jesus' love transform communities. There's nothing comfortable about following Jesus. Following Jesus, if you take this in the right sense, don't misquote me, has ruined my comfort has wrecked my career, has ruined my priorities because he didn't call us to comfort. And yet we worship comfort. We worship convenience. In fact, this has led to us hyper-nurturing our children. This is, means that we'll, the worst thing that possibly could happen to the next generation is that they could be hurt, that they could have hurt feelings, that they could be broken-hearted, 
that they might trip over on the streets so they don't go out. We, we have overprotected the next generation. And listen, that's not God's heart because God wants us to be resilient and able to cope with all sorts of danger and yet still prevail. How's that going to happen in a generation where we're obsessed with being comfortable? Again, we've almost make, made that something that we, we worship. It's a priority. And you see these things, these things that have become part of our culture, so, so dominant, so powerful in us making our decisions. Individualism, greed, passivity, and comfort. Hear the word of Lord. It's time for us to flip it. This needs flipping. This is like a house that is in danger of falling apart if something doesn't happen. You see, God's heart is for us to know true love and identity, and that will not lead us there. God's heart is for us to understand a sense of belonging and purpose, and we will not get there from there. We're going to be looking at Ezra and Nehemiah, and in Ezra chapter 3, just want to illustrate this. It's really simple. In Ezra chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In the early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns... All the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. A unified purpose. If you today, or if you're watching, you're looking for a sense of purpose, you will not simply find it on your own. You'll find it in the company of other followers of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. In Nehemiah chapter 2, a similar idea that Sanballat, Tobiah, and the others, uh, we should all be booing at their names, boo. Um, they're having a go at Nehemiah. And uh, he says, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. You see, God did raise up Nehemiah as one individual, but he could not rebuild the wall on his own. It had to be a together thing. I want to tell you, in order for us to see communities transformed, as Jesus shows his love, we cannot do that on our own. We're going to need to do that together. So this is a year where God wants to do a work in us so that we can truly learn what it means to build together. So, in fact, let me point out one thing. The Lord's Prayer. How does it begin? Our Father. This is when they ask him, Lord, teach me how to pray. No, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. There's no me in the Lord's prayer. There's no me. It's not about you. It's not your prayer. It's our prayer. Our Father, forgive us, provide for us. Hallelujah. And so we can come to the Lord today and say, God, we, we come to you as Wellspring Church. We say, we, we want to see these things change. Amen. Amen. So uh, what, do you, what shall I do with this? Let's flip it. We flip individualism and what do we get? We get community. We get a profound sense of belonging and being part of each other. We get intimacy with God, but also intimacy with other. We share each other's fragrance in community. We smell like us when we're truly together. Hallelujah. I believe God's speaking to us and inviting us to a sense of family. And by that, I don't mean the nuclear fam family. I mean uh, exploring what it means to be the church as family. Hallelujah. What should we do with greed in the name of Jesus? Let's flip it. It's like a game show, isn't it? Should we do it? Let's... What should we do with greed, everyone? There you go. Some of you even did that at home. That's funny. Um, 
generosity. Greed becomes generosity. <coughs> the Lord is wanting to make us a more generous people. He's wanting to do that to me. He wants that to do that to you, but he wants to do that amongst us together. You see, this is where we discover true love and acceptance. This is where belonging thrives. This is where purpose becomes more than just me and my salary, but it becomes us sharing life together. Do you know, since the, uh, we launched it in the autumn, the, uh, the family fund, uh, compassion fund, we've had thousands of pounds that have been given. Thank you for all of you who have given into this fund. At this time, we're in a cost of living crisis. That's a wonderful, beautiful, fantastic thing. And I want to say to you, please, if you are in a place right now where you need some financial help, please ask. Money has been set aside by your church family. And listen, there is no shame in this whatsoever. You speak to David and it will be dealt with very discreetly. There'll be no kind of emails flying around. With as in this will be between you and the smallest number of people possible, just so that you don't feel in any way ashamed or embarrassed. But I want to hear, can you please hear me, church? There are people in your church family who have set aside money for you if you're really in need. I know someone, their washing machine broke down. And that's a lot of money to find, right? Listen, ask for help generosity, sharing with one another practically, that's the kind of church God's making us to be all the more. Hallelujah. What should we do with passivity? Flip it. Let's flip it. That was a bit less enthusiastic that time. <laughs> flip it. In fact, let me show you. The opposite of uh, passivity is not activity, it's passion. The opposite is passion. The Lord doesn't want us just to get active. He wants us to be passionate. He wants us to be taken up with something that's bigger than ourselves. And he wants us to get off our spiritual backside and do something with what he shows us. He wants to, to take, and this is what Joel Holmes said, to take what we love and make it how we love. To take what we do and turn it into a passionate pursuit of the kingdom of God, whatever the cost to take passivity and turn it into passion. Amen? Amen. I, I believe we're already a passionate church, but there's places to go with that that the Lord wants to show us new passions this year. If you're passionless, if you feel passive, there is a bit of repentance involved in all this, but may this be a year where you get off your spiritual backside and get engaged with what God wants to do and become a passionate follower of Jesus again. Does anyone need to hear that? One person needs to hear that. This is the year. You coasted last year. The Lord lovingly says, enough. I've got more for you. I want to stir up a passion again for my purposes. That's for someone. What should we do with comfort? Should we keep it there? <laughs> Let's flip it. Go from comfort to a cause. Related to that, to go from the kingdom of comfort to being so taken up with a sense of purpose that we have a cause. And most people I know that have a cause are not very comfortable. Keeps you up at night when you really care about someone or something. It disturbs you. It's a reason you don't hit the snooze button in the morning. 
again and again. Listen, people who do that don't have a cause. Yes? They're just living. But it's not really living. God has more for you and more for us than for us to waste our time hitting the snooze button again and again. Hitting the snooze button at the start of every year. Oh yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. No, this is the year. This is the year to say, God, would you get hold of me personally and get hold of us as a church with a cause that's in line with your kingdom? Because I don't want to waste another year. A cause. Hallelujah. This is God's heart for us. And we're going to see this happen in three different ways. And you'll see on the screen there, when it comes to building together, we're going to be focusing and looking at what does it mean for us together to build leaders Just as it takes a village to raise a child, we as a church are being invited, we believe by the Lord, as a leadership team, we're being invited to build leaders. In this church family, from from a young age, to identify those that have been called into leadership, in fact, many more than we realize, they they might, some might be, if you like, what I might describe as like platform leaders, but, but that's not where leadership is defined, you understand. I'm talking about leaders in the workplace, leaders in their schools, leaders in the college, leaders in the civic sphere, leaders who have influence that sees Jesus' love transform where they are. Uh, we we want to be more intentional together as a church to be a nurturing place where leaders are growing. And listen, you might be one of those that you feel, well, I, I feel like I've got leadership, I've got a fire in me, but no one's recognized it and no one's developed it, this is going to be a year where we're going to explore what does it mean to build leaders together. Hallelujah. We're going to build family together. We're going to come against the neglect of key relationships. We're We're going to tackle the whole issue of dishonor between the generations and we're going to see what does it mean to build family together. And thirdly, we're going to build home. We're going to deal with this rootlessness that is in our society. The individualism, it leads to this rootlessness. We're just wayward. And when we're rootless, we are fruitless. Oh, I could sing, I could sing There's Joy in the House of the Lord in 10 different churches. I'll choose this one this week, that one that week, that one this week, that one. I'll, I'll go online one week, I'll go on here, I'll sit in the car one week and, hey, I'm growing in the body of Christ. Honestly, you'll be fruitless if you live like that. Put your roots down. Where God leads you, but put your roots down. And when we discover here as a church family more of what it means to be here as home, here in this geographical specific location as home, we're able to open the door even wider for hospitality, to welcome people in, to roll out the red carpet for those who feel like no one cares for them that they might see that there is joy in the house of the Lord and they might come into a church where everyone truly loves one another and they say, you must have been with Jesus. So really, to wrap it all up and come into land here, I wonder if the band can come and stand. I just want to deal with this one. This is the overarching one. This social commentators say this is like the curse of our age alone. We've been taught this kind of lie almost that you can grow in your faith on your own. Me, myself, and Jesus. My Jesus, my Savior. But the thing is, 
because of all the stuff we've been talking about are so deeply ingrained, so many of us feel alone. We are the most alone generation in history. And this is not God's heart for any one of us. And some of you are listening to this, watching some of you here in the room, and you say, well, that one word defines my daily life. I want to simply say to you, there's no painless way of doing this, but the Lord wants to take you, and he wants to flip your life so that you have a sense of together. And we want to say, God, would you flip us? <laughs> would you flip us as a church? That no one need be alone. This is God's heart, surely. It's his heart for us. And I know some of you at home, you're watching this and you feel just this sense of that aloneness. And you say, well, I don't need, there's a lens and a screen between us. I just want to say, hear God's heart. He loves you. And he wants you to know also that you are together with your church family. You're not alone. As we participate with the Lord in these things, I wonder if we could prepare our hearts in a moment to pray. To build together. And when we do this, when we allow God to flip the house of the Lord, we want to invite the Lord in and say, God, there's parts of this house. You're not going to like what you see. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. I see it all already. The great thing is about God is, you know, he factored in our stupidity when he called us. I remind myself of that every day. He factored in our brokenness when he went to the cross. And see, this is the thing. Jesus, he went to the cross alone. Even his closest friends had abandoned him, except just two or three. He went to the cross alone so that we could be together. He went to the cross alone to join us into his family. He went to the cross alone so we could enjoy together. <laughs> and when we acknowledge the power of the cross, when we step into salvation in Christ, we instantly find ourselves adopted into a family. Hallelujah. We find ourselves joined to a people. And not just in this place, but all the other believers around, in all the other churches in Watford, in all the other churches in Hertfordshire and all the other churches around the nation and then literally billions of brothers and sisters in Christ around the world joined together because Jesus was alone. So we don't have to be. I want to say to you today that you might, if you've not given your life to Christ, you will come with your own stuff. So come to the Lord, if you like, on your own. But that will be the last lonely moment truly lonely moment of your life, you'll be joined into his family. So we want to say, Lord, flip us. And yes, it's really costly. It's costly for us. It's costly for anyone that would be involved in that work. It's really costly to be involved in house flipping. 
But I want to invite you to be part of this process here in this church family. And what's going to happen is we're, I'm going to pray and then the band are going to lead out in a song. But I want to say, as the song goes on, you can start sitting, but maybe if during this song you want to move physically and align yourself, say, okay, God, and please say this right, God, would you flip me <laughs> and flip us? As you stand and as you sing, would you align with what God's calling us to together? And then David will lead us from there. So let's humble our hearts and minds before the Lord now. And at home, wherever you are, just ignore other screens and put stuff down. And Lord, we want to come to you today and we confess, Lord, our selfishness and our pride and our greed. We confess to you, Lord, our passivity and our obsession with comfort. Lord, it's like things that were never meant to be in your house have crept their way through. And we want to say we're sorry. And we say, God, would you come now into our hearts and minds, personally and corporately, Lord, would you truly make us the people you want us to be? As that song goes, send revival, Lord, and start with me. So we praise you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cost, the price that you paid on the cross to win us back to yourself. We say thank you, Lord. I don't know how we say thank you other than to join with your cause, to live with your passion, to build your community. Help us in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit. And we all say together, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in person and online.